This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Shelley Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Happy Mother's Day! So glad all of you are here today. I had a fantastic mother. She's still with me on the earth. I know some of you haven't, and we're going to talk about that, but I had a great mom. And then I hardly ever, you don't, some people don't even know Stormy and I are hardly together, and then we're hardly ever with our kids and our grandkids. But this is one of our children, our daughter Amanda, and I'm going to actually talk about her in my message today. (laughs) And these are my beautiful grandkids. This is what makes parenting all the hard times worth it are these beautiful grandkids that I love so much. This is Kate and Taylee, and they're awesome. Love you guys. But there's a lot of ways to be a mom. There's more than one way to be a mom. There's a lot of ways. I want to read to you and acknowledge the wide continuum of moms. To those of you who gave birth this year to your first child, We celebrate with you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and you wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. My daughter said one time when Cade was young, she was trying to get to church and she ran in and she thought she was doing really good and she said people just kept looking at her and She realized after church that Kate had spit up and it had gone all down her back. And she didn't know that. To those who have experienced loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes and prods, tears and disappointment, we walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to make it harder than it is. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, and I will add to that some of you are daddy moms. We need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you. To those who have disappointment, and heartache and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who experienced abuse at the hands of your own mother, we acknowledge your experience. To those who lived through driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, we mourn that life has not turned out the way you longed for it to be. To those who step-parent, we walk with you on these complex paths. To those who envisioned lavishing love on grandchildren, yet that dream is not to be, we grieve with you. To those who will have emptier nests, In the coming year, we grieve and rejoice with you. To those who place children up for adoption, we commend you for your selflessness and remember how you hold that child in your heart. And to those who are pregnant with new life, 
both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. I commend mothers for the way you reflect the image of God by bringing forth new life and nurturing those on your path. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart, and we have real warriors in our midst. We remember all of you that are mothers. We have a special gift for you at the end of the service. Um, All of you are going to get a gift. All the ones, if you consider yourself in those categories, you have a gift. And it says there is no one perfect way to be a mother. What matters is that a mother loves her children deeply. And that's what moms do. Let me pray before I start. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for your presence here with us, Lord, that we're never alone, God, that we can always trust in you, Father. And we give you honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If any of you know me very well, you know I I like to uh, plan things out. I like to have everything set, and I like to have it all. You know, my husband, yeah, he's, he's commenting already. Uh, we can barely get his scriptures from him. We have got him to where he'll give them our, the scriptures so they can have them ahead. But no notes, no titles. By the way, the title today is um, Not Alone. But I like to have things in order and planned out for a long time. But, you know, life doesn't always afford you that. And sometimes God doesn't do that. It's, I know it's a trusting thing for me, and Mother's Day's coming up. I mean, I know I'm going to speak every year. This is the 15th year I've spoken, so I, I'm like, okay, God, I really need, most of the time I have it months out, and I know, and uh, I didn't have anything, and I didn't have anything, but I just kept saying, thank you, Father, thank you, Lord, you're going to give me that message that I need, something, I need it, <laughs> quick. And had a lot of things going on and was out of town a lot. And last week, nothing. And my te- the team here at the church, we have a creative team, and they're like, okay, what's the plan? I'll let you know. Let you know what that plan is when I get it. So we, I was out of town at a conference last week, and um, we sang that song multiple times, I Am Not Alone. And the Lord just began to do something in my heart. And he really gave me a, just a, a heart to see that so many times people feel alone. That this is something that mothers struggle with. You saw in that video, mothers struggle with. Am I enough? Am I alone in this? Am I the only one that's going through this? And at various times in our lives, all of us, mothers, fathers, singles, whatever season of life, we feel alone. I can remember I got saved when I was in high school, and I'd been walking down this path of my own way, drinking and, and getting high and, and just partying and messing around, and I got saved between my junior and senior year of high school, and I had a big group of friends. Well, when I got saved, let me just say, I wasn't the most popular person in that group anymore. They persecuted me. They did not understand. I'm sure there were other Christians at the high school, but none of them reached out to me. And my whole senior year of high school, I really felt very alone. There wasn't a a group. Stormy had already graduated. We were dating at that time. But there wasn't anyone really at my high school that I could really connect with. Then 
We made the really good decision, don't recommend it, but it was good for us to get married right out of high school. And we moved away and, and went to Bible school and were very much alone, the two of us trying to navigate, you know, growing up on our own and, and learning how to be a married couple. And we didn't have any really support system around us. And then I got pregnant three months later and uh, a year later after we got married, I had um, my daughter. Any of you that know Amanda, I felt very alone at times in because she wasn't the normal little girl. I said it in first service and her, her head coach um, was sitting over there laughing hysterically while I was saying this. But, you know, from the time she was born... If you look in the dictionary under strong-willed, it should say her name. She's, she, she was uh, interesting. She was a test for me. Again, I was young. I was 18 years old and trying to figure this out. And at that time, there was a teaching in the church, and it was that girls just want to please and boys want to rule. Well, my life didn't look like that. My daughter was... I mean, she just was so strong-willed. And people, I remember people would look at me like, what is wrong with her? And what's wrong with you? You're a bad mother. Because she wasn't the easiest child. She's a blessing, I will tell you. And God has used that and used that strong will. But I felt very alone. And then I remember our years when we um, started this church and we got in the ministry I don't recommend it to a lot of people because it's the hardest job you'll ever do. And I remember a time a few years ago that some of our very good friends pretty much stabbed us in the back. And they began to say some things about us, and especially about me, and really hurt. And I remember during that time, I wanted to just be alone, and I, I built up these walls and so many times that's what we do is we build walls around our heart to protect us. We think, we think, okay, I don't ever want to get hurt. I'm not, I'm just not going to get close to people anymore. And so we build those walls up and we think they're going to protect us, but they end up hurting us. I want to read to you a couple of statistics about being alone. I'd never really looked it up. But I got on the internet, and it was really surprising to me. Um, one of the biggest fears of people everywhere is to think that they're going to be alone for the rest of their life. Feeling alone and not seen, not known and forgotten about is something that robs us of life and steals our joy. It's also a serious health risk. And you may think, how does loneliness, what does that have to do with your health? Well, apparently it has a lot to do with your health. Studies of elderly people and social isolation concluded that those without social interaction were twice as likely to die prematurely. Twice. Just from being socially connected to people. And then I started looking at the current studies. And you know what group is at risk for loneliness now? Young adults. And I think a lot of our suicide epidemic is tied to this feeling of being alone, of this feeling of there's nobody there that's for me and isolating ourselves away. 
Um, The increased mortality risk of loneliness is comparable to that of smoking. And loneliness is about twice as dangerous as obesity, which is shocking. But there are studies that prove this. It, It said social isolation impairs immune function, boosts inflammation, which can lead to arthritis, type 2 diabetes, and heart disease. See, loneliness is breaking our hearts. But as a culture, we rarely talk about it. It's one of those things, just act like it doesn't exist. Sweep it under the rug. Act like it's not there and it'll go away. But it doesn't go away. It's there with us all the time. 40% of adults in two recent surveys said they were lonely. That's double the adults that said that from the 1980s. So what's going on in our culture to make people feel so alone? Number one, and this is probably going to shock some of you, is what we call social media. Now, that seems opposite, doesn't it? It's social, so it should make you feel more connected. But they did a study. How many of you have a Facebook account? Raise your hand. And I do too. My hand's up. And it's a, it can be a great tool. It needs to have boundaries because they did a study and they said that the more time you spent on Facebook is directly related to how much unhappiness is in your life. More Facebook, more unhappiness. And as I was doing this research, I thought, why? Why? But think about it. When you get on your Facebook page, do people put those bad selfies on there? No. Do they put on there, my child is a pain in the behind, and I've had a bad day, and my boss doesn't like me. No, they put the good things. They put on there, I have the best children, and they wrote me this, and my husband sent me these flowers, and my hair looks so good today. Look at my selfie picture that's really good. And they, it makes, then you get on with your problems and you're in your pajamas probably and you may have zits that day or your kids have just about driven you crazy and they're in time out in their room and you look and everybody seems to have the perfect life. And it can make you feel more isolated and more unhappy. And our society in general. I mean, you don't even have to really go out to eat anymore, do you? I heard the other day Chick-fil-A is now doing an app that you can put your order in and just wheel up and get your food. You never have to get out. We have drive throughs everywhere. You can just grab your food, go home, and be by yourself again. But again, we need to be connected to people. Our happiness is tied to being connected to people, not being alone. Let's read Ecclesiastes chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, turn there. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. This is a story from King Solomon. He was King David's son, and it said he was the wisest man on earth. And this is what he had to say about companionship and not feeling alone. Verse 7 of Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Verse 7 says... I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. This is the case of a man who is all alone, without a child or brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. Y'all know anybody like that? 
They work hard. They work hard trying to get as much as they can, but they're all alone. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It is all so meaningless and depressing. Verse 9. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. Do you hear that? When we're alone, when we're isolated, we can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. God does not want us alone. I mean, the wisest man on earth was telling us when we stand alone, we are easily defeated. We become a target for the enemy. When, um, in our partnership class this past Wednesday, we were talking about that, about how being connected to the church and being part of the church family keeps us, keeps us connected with each other and we're not out there alone. What happens to a sheep when it wanders away and it's all alone? The big bad wolf comes to get it, right? It's easily defeated. It can be attacked. And that's what happens to each of us when we get out there and we're not apart. We're not connected. We're alone. But when we're standing together, we're stronger. I'm going to talk about three reasons today that some have for feeling alone. I'm sure there's many others, but these are the three I'm going to talk about. Number one is a lack of relationships. A lack of relationships. This could be because you're not physically close to your family. How many of y'all live far away from your biological family? Raise your hand up if you do. Sometimes we're just far from them. Most of our family, except for our kids, and I have a sister and some, some nephews and nieces here, they don't live here. We're not physically close to them. But there's also times that we're just not close with our family. There's things that happen in families, a lot of times with siblings and moms and dads, and there's some bad stuff in our past. And we don't feel close to our family. But I have good news for you. God will put you in a family. There's a family out there for you. I want to read to you from Psalm chapter 68. If you will turn your Bibles to Psalm chapter 68. We're going to read verses 5 and 6. God wants to put us in a spiritual family that can make us feel loved and wanted. Psalm chapter 68. This is a good one for any of you that feel like you're alone. Father to the fatherless, defender of widows, this is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. Isn't that a good promise? He places the lonely in families. And another good one, he sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. See, when we build walls around our hearts, around our lives to protect us, 
it becomes like a jail cell. We can't get outside those walls either. And we become depressed. But this, here's our promise. God sets the prisoners free and he gives them joy. He'll put joy back in your life. So the antidote to a lack of relationships is find some. Find some relationships. Whether it's biological or not, it doesn't matter. We all need to seek out healthy relationships with people who will love us and accept us for who we are. I found this term and I really like it. Find your tribe. Who's your tribe of people? Who are you going to do life with? Who's the tribe? Yes, it may be your biological family, but it's not limited to that. Here at this church, we are each other's support. We're our tribe. I love some of our men have, after men of iron, I heard, I'm not involved, but I heard that they, some of our men started a, a Facebook group and they're keeping each other accountable. And there's men that are really connecting in. You know why? Because we need that for our lives. It's easy to be the lone ranger and just slip in and slip out and nobody knows who you are. But you're going to go right back to those walls of isolation and feeling alone. So lack of relationships is the first reason we feel alone. The second reason, and it's probably why we have a lack of relationships, is broken trust. Broken trust. Um, the word trust, I looked it up in the dictionary, and it means to believe that someone or something is reliable, good, honest, effective. To have confidence in someone or something. To believe that something is true or correct. To hope or expect that something is true or will happen. Some people, their truster is broken. They're not able to trust. Some of us have been through traumatic experiences in our past, and that makes us have a hard time trusting others and believing that others are going to be there for us. Others are going to love us. So we build those walls up in our hearts, and we think they're going to protect us. We don't ever want to get hurt again. We keep people at a distance, at arm's length. We never let them get close to us because, again, I can't trust anybody. We've got to get past that. We all need relationships. I know trust is a thing that is earned. I get that. When my kids were young, I didn't tell y'all, Pastor and I have a 28-year-old son as well, and he's not close He's not close in distance. He's in Austin right now, and he's fixing to move even farther. But in Jesus' name, God's will over his life. But there can be distance between us, and we have to earn trust. When my kids were growing up, when they would make a good decision, they got more trust. When they would make a bad decision, their trust went back. So I get that trust has to be earned in relationships. It doesn't just come automatically. But I will tell you this, there is someone that we can always trust, and he will never let us down. Amen? Let's look at John chapter 14. John chapter 14. As I was studying last week, when I finally knew what I was going to preach on, um, I try to go back on when, and always listen to the Wednesday night podcast. How many of y'all listen to our podcast ever? You get online? Just a few of you. It's really good. It's free. 
If you think, oh, I missed the message, you can go online. There's an app, and Pastor Matt is great at helping people get it. You can download it on your phone. You can get it from our website, but you just click on it. So while I'm getting ready a lot of times, if I've missed the Wednesday night, I'll click on that and I'll listen to the message. But anyway, I clicked on it, and I thought, he's preaching what I'm going to preach on. He, I heard, uh, I think it was three Wednesdays ago, he, he spoke on trust. And it was really good. And he used some of this scripture. Jesus was saying this, John chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you when everything is ready I will come and get you so that you will always be with me wherever I am, where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. See, God doesn't want us having troubled hearts, not being able to trust others. When we become secure in his love for us, we're going to be able to trust others. Those two things are directly connected. When we can trust God, when we can trust his love, then we'll be able to trust others. And let me give you a little hint. You're probably going to get hurt again. Right? You're probably going to get hurt again when you put those prison walls down, when you step out of those walls and you start letting people back into your heart. Just get ready. We're humans. We don't intend to a lot of times. But again, we're selfish We're human and we're not perfect. And sometimes we'll get hurt again. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't just keep putting ourselves out there and trusting. We trust God and he will help us to trust others. Amen? Even if you've been hurt in the past, you can trust again. Don't let your truster stay broken. See, when we shut God out... We begin to trust in ourselves and we take refuge in those walls that we've built. Sometimes we're like, yeah, I'm, these walls are firm. These walls are going to protect me. Nothing can knock these walls down. Well, let's read about that. Turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 17. Proverbs chapter 17. I love this from the New Living Translation. We think our walls are going to protect us. We're going to be wrong. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 19. It says, anyone who loves to quarrel loves sin. Listen to this part. Anyone who trusts in high walls invites what? Say it. Disaster. Would anyone say, oh, I want disaster in my life. No, nobody wants disaster, but it says exactly what's going to happen. If we keep those walls around our lives, not let people in, disaster. When we trust in those walls, instead of trusting in God, we're going to have disaster in our lives. Disaster can come in a lot of different forms. Don't think it just has to happen in an earthquake or a tornado. A divorce, your children walking away from God. Those are disastrous. Those are disastrous things. 
Addiction is disastrous in your life. So don't have those walls up. When I started looking up trust in the Bible, in the New Living Translation, over 200 times, I think it was 220 references were to trust. I think, do you think that's important to God? If he had the, the writers of the Old and the New Testament write about trust, you bet. So guess what? Hold on. We're going to go through some scriptures on trust. Not all 220, okay? We're going to go through a few. If you have had a problem trusting, just write these down real quick, the reference. And I'm going to challenge you to go back and look these up. All right. 2 Samuel 22, 31. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a shield to all those who trust and take refuge in him. Psalm 9:10. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Psalm 13, 5. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. Psalm 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy, and with my song, I praise him. Have you noticed there's a promise? There's something that God is attaching to every time you trust in him. Let's keep going. Psalm 33, 4. For the word of the Lord holds true, and we can trust everything he does. Those of you who have ever said, God, what are you doing? Why haven't you done this? What does it say? We can trust everything, everything that he does. Psalm 37, 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Psalm 37, 5, commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. Psalm 62, 8, trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him for God is our refuge. Psalm 91, 2, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Psalm 112, 7, they will have no fear of bad news. Anybody want to put your hand up on that in this day of bad news? Anybody ever anticipating that? They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast. Trusting in the Lord. Psalm 143, 8. Let me hear of your unfailing love each morning, for I am trusting you. Show me where to walk, for I give myself to you. There's a promise for direction right there. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Those of you that are pretty analytical and you like to think things through, you want to raise your hand? This is your scripture. You better not be trusting in your own understanding. Trust in the Lord. Okay? Proverbs 29, 25. Fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. Anybody ever afraid for your safety? Trust in the Lord. Isaiah, yep, 40, verse 31. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. If you're tired today, there's new strength for you. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. 
John chapter 12 and verse 46. I have come, this is Jesus, I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. You are not in the dark. We walk in the light. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17, one of my favorites, it says, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. If you've ever felt yourself being unrooted, feeling like you're just being tossed about, let your roots grow down deep, trusting God. Trust him. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable, which goes against everything the world is trying to do right now. Their trust should be where? In God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Amen? We can trust in God. You can go and read the other 200. I gave you 15 of them. You can go and read the other 200 if you want. Trust in God. Amen? So you don't feel alone. The last reason we're going to talk about today about why we feel alone is no vision or purpose. See, many times we're just drifting through life with no purpose and no vision. No vision for the future. No vision for our life. We don't feel connected and we feel isolated and alone. We need to find our unique significance and we need to unleash it towards eternal purposes. See what you do today, it's not just today. It's going into the future. Have you ever thrown a rock? You've seen that rock and it, you throw it. I think, uh, Jacob, we're getting a radio up here. Is that coming through the speakers? I think so. Or maybe somebody's phone. Hello. Um, but when you throw a rock, it doesn't just hit and stop. But what does it do? It has ripples, 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 and ripples. It's going to the future. That's what our lives are doing. God has called each one of us to have an eternal significance. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. This is one of the scriptures we talk about in in partnership. We talk about how when you connect with the church, you are part of a body. And God has given each one of us special significance in the body. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read two scriptures. Verse 7. Let's start there. Ephesians 4 and verse 7. It says, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. So raise your hand if you have a special gift from God. If you didn't raise your hand, you're denying the scriptures. Let's, let me say it again. Let me read it. He has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. How many of you have a special gift? You do. Yay. God's given you a gift. What are you doing with that gift? And I know, I get the whole thing. When you first are saved or you're young, you're like, I don't know what I'm good at. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. That's why you have to just get the 
car moving. Have you ever tried to steer that car that's not moving? It's really difficult. You just start moving and then it becomes easier. And you're like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. My gosh, I've done everything there was to do. I've rocked babies. I've served in the little ones. Stormy and I did a, we did fifth grade for a while, fifth and sixth grade. That's quite an ordeal. We did junior high. I was a youth leader. Um, we've done small groups. We've done just about everything there is to do. And through that, I figured out, what am I good at? Where's my passion? And you know how you figure out what's your passion? When you go and you serve and your body may be tired, but in your spirit, you're regenerated. Sometimes I go by the nursery and I see those ladies in there rocking those babies. And you may think that those babies changing those diapers and, and, and rocking them and, and soothing them so their mamas can have one hour away from them to focus. You may think, oh my gosh, they're tired, but those ladies are in there and they're loving those babies. And some of our men serve in there too. And they're playing with them. And when they leave, they feel refreshed in their spirits. That's when you know it's your passion. And when you go and serve with those, those G-force kids, those four and five-year-olds, and they're running around and you're teaching them. I see Maria in there and she's teaching them their scripture. And sometimes I walk by and she's like, Pastor Shelley, let, him, let me show you what they've learned. And they act out their little scripture for me, their memory verse. You're refreshed when you're serving in your passion. We must realize the purpose for our life is not to bless us, but to bless others. See, we have it backwards the world wants to say, if it, feel good, if it feels good to me, then I'll do it. No. The church is just the opposite. We're to bless others, then we'll be blessed. Amen? We're to give, and then it's given back to us. That's not just monetarily. That's in every area. We give, and it comes back to us. We have to get our eyes off of ourselves and onto the world out there. Did y'all know there's a hurting world? Did y'all know that there's kids that need hugs out there? We have a couple of kids in our own church that their mamas were killed this last year. And when they walk out these doors, they're too young to even understand it. But when they go out those doors, I always try to get down and say, can I have a hug? Because I want them to know somebody loves them. Their mama may not be here anymore to hug them, but somebody loves them. These next pictures... Um, are part of our mission trip. And this first one, this is down at Bethel Orphanage. Um, we go down to Juarez, Mexico a couple of times a year. And I will just give you all a little bit of history. Up until about 10 years ago, I told the Lord, I don't ever want to go on a mission trip. I don't ever want to be a missionary. That was not anything I wanted to do, ever. Especially in Mexico, I've been to Juarez before, not my choice of vacation destinations. But I had a friend in Clovis, and her mom actually started the orphanage over 30 years ago. And she, she would talk to me, and she would say, please come. Please come and visit the orphanage. Just come once. That's, that's what I tell everybody. You should go once. Because I will tell you, when you go once, your heart will be connected forever. And so... We went, and those kids have changed my life. 
I tell our teams when we go, we are going to be God's hands and his feet to love those kids. Some of those kids have been there since they were very young. The older girl, um, she's fixing to become a mama herself now. And we've watched them grow up. The next picture that's going to come up, this is Pastor Jordan. He's our children's pastor. Um, Jordan has been all over the world. And last fall, he had began to go with us on our mission trips. And he had it in his heart to go live at the orphanage. And Ignacio, that's sitting here, raise your hand, Ignacio. Ignacio lived there for a while as well. And I will tell you, their hearts became connected to those kids. When, when they show up, it used to be they used to yell for me, Shelly, Shelly. Now when they pull up, they always ask, where's Ignacio and where's Jordan? They always ask those questions. And then the next um, slide, you can see it's not just the little ones. There's big ones as well. But you know what? You don't have to go out of the country to find a mission field and to find children that need to be hugged and need to be loved. This next mission field is right up the stairs. And that's our children's ministry. And there are children up there that need hugs and need love. There are children there that need someone to tell them, I believe in you. You may be the one person that shows what Jesus is to them. And you may say, well, I don't know if it's kids. Let me tell you. We all need to be linked somewhere, somewhere. I look at our ushers. You talk about a tight-knit group of men. Those guys, they serve together. Jim keeps those guys together. I see them praying together. I see them supporting each other. Our children's workers, that happens. They become part of a team. I see our faith closet people. And man, when the faith closet is open, they're ready to serve. Each of us has to find wherever that place is. Find that place and get connected. See, we experience true connectedness when we link ourselves to people around us, giving and receiving, struggling and surviving, rejoicing and encouraging. God wants each one of us To link ourselves up. He doesn't want us to feel alone any longer. He wants us to have healthy relationships in our lives. God wants us to trust him. And he wants to use our lives to reach out and touch others. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.